Before you dive into our first full episode, we recommend starting with our introductory episode. In it, you'll learn about the inspiration behind this podcast, get to know Chris and Adrian and their experience, and gain insights into our target audience. It's the perfect preamble to enrich your listening experience. Thanks and enjoy. We believe anything is possible. And so if anything is possible, then there is never enough. And because of our American culture and this just thirst for more, there's no, like no one talks about being content because you can always have more. You can always work a little harder to get that promotion. And that's the land of opportunity. And we've built ourselves a prison for the soul because we will always want more until we fight that cultural norm. And the whole culture is fighting against us with that. Welcome to the Overflowing Life Podcast, where we navigate the crossroads of modern leadership and authentic living. I'm your host, Chris Lagarde, leadership coach and team development expert. Today, we're hosting our first panel interview of the season. Joining us are Tiffany Fikes, Haro Setien, and Marlo Dirksen, distinguished leaders in the business world, with two of them at the helm of multiple enterprises. Each panelist brings a wealth of experience, not only in business leadership, but also in their personal journey of reclaiming their souls amidst challenging circumstances. Their stories are rich with wisdom and hard-earned insights, offering valuable lessons you might want to listen to more than once. Prepare to be inspired and enlightened as we dive into this engaging conversation. Enjoy. Hello, and welcome to the Overflowing Life Podcast. Thanks for joining me today. I am very excited for the conversation you're about to listen to. I've got three amazing guests along with my co-host today, and we're going to dive into the problem as we defined it in the previous episode and really dive deep to how that impacts leaders and how they run their business, how they show up in their lives. And my hope is that you really get some insights, not just of the guests we have, but also for yourself and see yourself a little bit in the folks that we have on today. So I'm really excited to welcome, besides my co-host, Adrian, of course. Adrian, how are you? Hey, Chris, I'm good. How are you doing today? Doing well. Is it snowing up where you are yet? Not quite yet. I think we got a little bit of time. I'm also really excited to welcome our guests to the show. Yes. So without further ado, I'm going to introduce Haro Sechian, Tiffany Fikes, and Marlo Marlo Dirksen to the uh, to the podcast. Welcome, guys. Thanks for having us. Thanks, Chris. Happy to be here. So let's uh, let's just let the audience know who you are uh, one by one. We'll go Tiffany, Marlo, and Haro. I've got to make sure that I get that right because they end very similarly. But uh, why don't we go in that route? You know, your name, what you do, any other pertinent facts that you think are important for our audience to know. Great. Hi, I'm Tiffany Fikes out of Nashville, Tennessee and New York City. I um, live a different life that splits time in two locations. I uh, have a real estate team in Nashville and I'm also co-founder in an organization called Her Best Life, which supports female entrepreneurs and females in business towards kind of the topic that y'all talk about, which is to have a big business, but to really have a bigger life as well. And so um, I do all of that while also homeschooling my 11 and 13 year old boys um, whom I love. And I am married and work with my husband, which is another unusual thing. So we have a, a very family business um, all about houses in Nashville. So that's me. Thanks, Tiffany. Marlo. Hey, Chris. Um, yeah, so Marlo Dirks and I live in Denver, Colorado. Uh, and I've had a really fulfilling career. I've had the opportunity to work as an external consultant, an internal consultant, an executive, and currently I'm with a Fortune 500 healthcare company working in the uh, leadership development space. Um, I've uh, been on this path for discovering my my purpose and meaning in life for about 20-some years now. Uh, I had a sort of a significant event that happened when I was 30 that led me to that. And... Uh, I think what you're doing here in this topic is so important. Um, I think we have a a lot of distractions in our life, uh, myself included, and coming back to why we uh, do what we do and, and how we do what we do, I think is a really important exercise uh, of self-reflection and self-awareness. So happy to be here and share anything I can. 
All right, let's uh, let's go over to Haro. Hey, my name is Haro Setian from Greenville, South Carolina, father of three, husband of one, um, was born and raised in Massachusetts. Uh, so I have the distinct privilege of being a Patriots fan and a Clemson Tigers fan, both of which were great for a short while and are not <laughs> great right now. So um, I also have uh, a real estate sales company uh, and then a real estate brokerage. I can, if necessary, I can explain what those mean. I own a Keller Williams franchise and then also have a sales team. So basically two distinct companies. Um, me and our family are going on a nine-month sabbatical starting in a couple of weeks. Um, and yeah, that's me. He'll, he'll just gently drop that like bombshell of a comment right there, which could be a whole... Maybe when you get back, Haro, we'll interview you about that experience because that's something that very few people in business uh, have ever heard. What the heck is a sabbatical? So what's the short definition of what that is? Because it does relate to the topic we're talking about today. Yeah. So if you talk to sabbatical purists, what academicians do, I don't know if I said that word right, um, academics do, uh, taking a, a writing leave or something like that would be exactly that, a writing leave, a sabbatical the purpose of a sabbatical would be really the, um, you know, if you follow the old texts, a biblical definition would be, you know, a time of dormancy and a time of rest and a time of reflection. Um, and for me and my wife, it's going to be um, just disconnecting from most of what we know. Uh, I know for us, it's going to mean like, for instance, getting on social media, getting off an email, not doing any work. Um so I don't know how my companies will be faring during that time. Um, I trust the leadership of both and I'll find out when I get back. So if they burn down, they burn down. Um, and if they fired up, they fired up. So to use the fire analogy, I don't know if that answers no, the question. It does. And, and that, again, it's a whole topic we can take a lot of time on. And, and yet I'll just point out, you know, we're going to be talking about surrender next episode. And um, what you just said takes a lot of trust and surrender, which, you know, maybe we'll talk about that uh, in this in this episode here today. But um, thanks for sharing that, Haro. So here here's what we're, we're going to really mull over today. I want to hear your experience with uh, your your you know, what's happened in your life with what we're refer referring to as the problem and, you know, how have you battled back against it, like pushed back against it? You know, we're going to just have a really good discussion around this. So let me define what we're saying is the problem. Uh, in our search for meaning and success, quote unquote, we're driven by a fear many times of not having enough. And we've created a culture, you know, from a Western American perspective that celebrates being constantly busy and always wanting more. You know, whenever you ask somebody, how are you doing? Oh, I'm so busy. I'm so busy. Well, this mindset leads us to disconnect from what we're referring to as your soul. We end up neglecting the essential practice of self-reflection and self-awareness. And this detachment leads to various forms of death, quote unquote, um, causing us to miss out on a full experience of life. And, you know, we would refer to this in, in our conversation between Adrian and I as the distracted state or life versus the opposite, which would be more of a whole life experience. And so do you guys agree with that definition of, you know, this distracted culture? What are your thoughts on that? And and what would you add or take away from that? So Chris, I'll, I'll lead out. Um, I think, yes, obviously the, the, the environment we're in, I think we are a product of our environment and there's so much going on in people's lives and, and we're, we're just the world that, you know, is, is right at our fingertips, whether it be on our smartphone or, or whatever. I uh, I think there's also just like a human condition, right? To want to strive, to want to achieve. And, you know, when I think about my own life, you know, how I've fallen in love with a title or I've fallen in love with achieving certain success and, and identifying at times, over-identifying with the work I do as my source of happiness and fulfillment, only to find out that, you know, I, I went down this path. I, I you know, in my words, sacrifice to achieve what I needed to achieve. And then found myself on the other side of it wondering, is this all there is? Uh, is this, is this it? You know, I, I don't feel any happier now than I did before. In fact, 
sometimes I'm tempted to want to go back to where I was in time, uh, to happier times, if you, if, if you will. So I, I do think it is a product of our environment, but I also think it's part of our human nature. And uh, I think at this stage of, of you know, um, maybe the world, it, it's, just, it's just harder to find those times and that create those boundaries where you can really step back and reflect and, and, and uh, really get in touch with what matters most to us. So I, it's interesting, like I, I value travel a lot for what it teaches us about what is human and what is cultural. And it's really interesting, the more I interact with different cultures, the more aware I become that this, this is American more than it's even Western, a lot of this. And it, and it comes from our history. It comes from like what makes us awesome as the United States. We believe anything is possible. And so if anything is possible, then there is never enough because there is always more. And you talk to other cultures that we might reflect on and say, oh, they're stifled because they can't grow and have more and elevate themselves and get that title. But what we find is, or what you, what you experience is they're more content, like content is okay. And because of our American culture and this just thirst for more, there's no, like no one talks about being content because you can always have more. You can always work a little harder to get that promotion. You can always, and that's the land of opportunity. And we've built ourselves a prison for, for the soul with that because we will always want more until we fight that cultural norm. And the whole culture is fighting against us with that. Yeah, the what Tiffany said made me think about, you know, it's enshrined in our Constitution or our Declaration of Independence, like life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. And uh, Protestantism, the Protestant Reformation, you know, the Protestant work ethic, um, which is something we all, whether or not we realize how much it impacts our society, it does. And, you know, I just think about how everything is always, you know, we value up and to the right, 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 bigger life, bigger, you know, bigger career, bigger this, bigger that, like, that's where our values are. Mm. So I love what you said about uh, prison for the soul, Tiffany, and Haro, you said it's in the water. And in doing my research for this series, I looked into that. And that is exactly like what we see in our history. It was built on all of these things. And Adrian and I like to joke that if America had an Enneagram type, it would be a three, which is the constant achiever, can't stop, you know, uh, kind of a thing. And so I want to ask you guys, what is your experience with this water, if you will, like, how has it impacted your life? And just a little bit of your story of maybe not what the solution was, but maybe talk to us or share with us a little bit about how you came to realize you had a problem. And like, right up until like, okay, we'll, we'll talk about what you did to solve it. But like, what has your experience been with it? I know for me, you know, I'm the son of an, an immigrant. And so I think that came from a people group that was uh, genocidally massacred in the early 1900s. So there was always this, we got to survive. We got to, we don't have enough. We got to make it happen. Um, and then, you know, life happened to them. So not only did our culture have it, but my internal family culture had it. Um, and, and, and then my parents got divorced and then there wasn't enough. So there's always this awareness of lack and desire for gain. And that for me as a young man, my, one of my vows was I'm basically like, I'm not going to live the life that I experienced and I'm not going to provide the same life that I experienced in the future to my future family. Um, so there was, that's where my drive came from. Uh, my drive, you know, resulted in a lot of great things and also, uh, burnout and then 
you know, you layer in the culture, then you layer in, you know, for the last 10, 30, well, what was it, 16 years, 2007, the iPhone, 2009. I don't remember. Seven. Seven. You, you layer in the iPhone on top of all that, the anxiety that it statistically and scientifically causes. Um, I burned myself out. Thanks for sharing that. Tiffany or Marlo? I, um, I think my busyness and all of that really stemmed from, I have a very high capacity. Like I can handle a lot of work. And for people who are like that, you are gifted a lot of work. And I also, I was told often that I, I was um, not just capable, but like you're talented. And if you are talented, you owe it to use those talents. And so my capacity and my ability to um, perform at a high level felt like I had no, there was no choice. Like who I was created, how I was created meant I needed to be operating at that high level all the time. And that looked like, and I, I never, I mean, I, I worked in film for a few years and quickly got elevated through that and quickly like would do whatever it takes because I could do whatever it took to, to make it happen. And then I got into real estate and the same thing happened again. And it was like, you succeed and then you just are gifted more and more and more. And so it, the self-discipline that it takes to cut that back when your culture, it's kind of like Carl said, you know, how you're raised and the culture is fighting against it. Um, and you, for me, I got my identity from that. I am capable and talented. And the way that I stay with everyone knowing that that is who I am, because that's who I am, is by doing more and succeeding and, you know, doing doing all those things. So for me, it was kind of that. And, and it didn't matter what industry I was in. I quickly rose and quickly overextended myself because I loved it. Mm. What can I ask before we go on to Marlo? What, what are some of the signs that you, you noticed that were like, Oh, there's like, what were the lights on the dashboard? So to speak that started blinking, that told you there was an issue. Um, I think it was when I got beyond my capacity which was when I had babies and a business and all of these things, like when I just couldn't do it anymore, which um, I realized a lot of people have, have a lower threshold for that. And so they, they learn earlier and it's, it's such a valuable lesson. Like I'm not proud of how long it took me to figure that out, to get to the end of myself. It cost me a lot because of that. And, um, but there, there comes a time when you just, can't anymore. You just can't. And, you know, when I realize when I'm striving and I, I figured it out, like that's the word I use is when I'm striving in my own strength towards something, I can't go back to sleep at night. Like basically I can go to sleep, no problem, but I'll wake up at 2 a.m. because I've got to solve whatever that thing is. And when I'm functioning well and at peace um, and undistracted, I, I can sleep at night. So that, that's kind of become the marker now that I even know that there should be a marker. Yeah. We refer to it as a canary. That's one of your canaries. Like they had in the old mines, you know, it's like, uh Oh, I need to pay attention. If I'm waking up at 2am and not get be able to go back to sleep and my mind's racing, that's something I've got to pay attention to. Marlo. I would say that, you know, one of my tells is as I can, I'm acutely aware of my, my level of anxiousness that will show up and, and how that, um, you know, will either get in the way of my sleeping pattern or just just in terms of my ability to be present in the moment. Um, and I think, you know, that's when I look back, you know, I, I grew up in a home where, you know, I worked in it. Uh, I was in an entrepreneurial household. My dad ran his own company. He worked constantly. Uh, my parents made big sacrifices for my sister and I so that we could get a better education to the point where they actually, you know, I my dad and mom stayed married, but lived in separate households all through my teenage years and into my early adult years. And, 
Um, and they did that so they could provide for us. So I do feel a bit of, uh, like, uh, carry a bit of like sense of obligation or responsibility to show up in the world as my best self and to give as much as I can. I also feel some shame if I don't and some guilt if I don't. Um, but, um, I think that that's been my biggest driver is, is this sense of like, uh, I haven't, I'm not quite realizing my full potential. And so I've had inflection points in my career where in my life where I felt that very strongly and that caused me to really go back and say, what, what, what can I do about that? Uh, what's within my control that I could take action on that would help me uh, realize a fuller sense and, and show up a, a, a as my best self. Um, and so that's, you know, it's, it's, it's a, it's a blessing and a curse. (laughs) You know, it drives, I find it drives me to do what I do and take on challenges, but it also, um, it's exhausting. Quite frankly, it's nonstop. So it sounds like all three of you have really had personal experience with hustle culture, with experiencing personal burnout, kind of getting to the end of your rope. So now that you have been through it, and I think it probably evolves, we go through periods of it, and then we kind of course correct and and get ourselves back on track. But now that you have all been through it, what do you do differently now so that way you don't slide back to that place that you were? What kind of guardrails have you put up for yourself? So that way, even when you find yourself sliding into that period of burnout, you don't get quite as far as you did before. Man, there's so many. This has been a journey for me. This realization has been a progressive realization over the last uh, two, two and a half years. And um, there are some spiritual practices that I've put into place that will, that will act as guardrails. For instance, observing one day a week, that's we just call it the Sabbath um, of I'm not my work. Um, I, I, d- I definitely define myself by my work, if not uh, if not explicitly, then implicitly uh, in the past. I think I was smart enough to say I'm not my work, but um, in reality, I wasn't. Um, the so that's one example. Uh, another Sabbath and. and you know, if you look in the Bible, the the there's some principles in there in the Old Testament of not to the, the you had the Sabbath, that's one principle. Then there's a sabbatical, that's another principle. And then there's not gleaning to the edges of your field, which means I can produce this much, but I but but I choose to produce this much, which is a smaller amount than my capacity. Um, in, in the Old Testament, it was it was partly for so poorer people could benefit from what you left unharvested, um, but of course you could just harvest it and give it to them. So there's there's a, there was a benefit to you also not maxing out your productive capability uh, as well. I think that's a little bit of the thing. So what else on burnout? Um, I think there has to be. Uh, there has you have to develop, and I don't know that I have yet a healthy relationship with uh, internet, social media, smartphones. Um, if if we talked about all the effects of those things without mentioning those things, all of us would be like, "You're addicted," and we would talk about alcohol or drugs or whatever. But since this is our phones, and it hasn't been you know labeled an addiction, so to speak, by the medical community or a mental health community, then therefore we don't really treat it as an addiction, but it is an addiction and a habit. Um, so hi, my name is Haro and uh, I'm an alcoholic. Um, You're a phoneaholic. You're an internetaholic. I'm a phoneaholic. I'm an internetaholic. I'm a textaholic. I'm a social mediaholic, all of it. Um, and so I'm, I'm, there are things that I'm considering doing as I think through this about how to function and live in this world with these with these technology tools um, that I think would play into that, uh, that burnout thing. And then I think it's really developing, like one of the things that I was really bad at is I didn't have personal friends. Um, And like I found my friendship bucket filled through work relationships. 
Well, work relationships, by definition, the definition have a start and an end. And when you own the company, there's also a power dynamic. Um, so I had so many. So like, I'm actually as a grown man, like working on developing friendships and what does it mean to be a good friend? And frankly, no one's written a book about this. Uh, so this is something that, you know, I think we all take for granted assume people know how to do, but I will just say that like, I'm still learning. Um, that's a few of my things. And I feel like I've taken a lot of, a lot of time and talking. So I'll let the others talk. Um, as you were talking about, um, like the, the signs, another, another sign that I would give was when I, before I could name it, but when I realized I was being horrible at whatever I was doing, because I was not present, I wanted to be at whatever the other thing was. So like I'd be with my kids, but I'd be on my phone and, or I'd, uh, be hidden in a closet on a work call with like little hands coming under the door, you know? And it was just like, that was one of those moments. It was just like, this is too much. Like, I can't do this. Um, and so like one of the things I put in place for that, like, cause I thought it was kind of like, oh, it's just this one little thing. Um, and so I would put my phone to Haro's point about the addiction. I would put my phone in a drawer from, um, two o'clock to four o'clock. And because I'm incapable of having a phone near me and ignoring it. I cannot hear it. I cannot feel it. I cannot any of those and ignore it and still be present. So I put my phone in a drawer for two hours every afternoon to the point that my family started getting mad at me because they couldn't get me. So I got a home phone to get my family off my back um, so that someone could reach me during two to four. But, you know, like little things like that, just putting some rules in place because when you are self-employed there are no rules you know there's laws but there's no rules um and so like our team our real estate team we don't take calls after 7 p.m nobody on our team is allowed to do that in an industry where our contracts like the deadline is 11 59 p.m so you get one minute off per our contracts every day. And like, that's not sustainable. So our standard is no calls after seven o'clock. We tell the clients that we tell the other agents that like, if it's not done by seven, we'll catch you tomorrow. And that's counter to the industry. Um, the other thing that I've done and put in place with our team, once I now realize that you need to have margin and create that space um, is like, you can't win your week. So the, you know, the goal, they get a big prize if they win their week, which has benchmarks for production and things like that. But they also have to have taken a full day off of work in order to win their week. So like just bringing these elements of what I, over the last five years have with my tears and blood have like learned and just saying no more, like y'all aren't going to be like me. Like you, we're going to, we're going to do this even just a minute bit more healthy. Tiffany, I love the non-traditional approaches you're taking to, to creating some healthy boundaries for the people that you work with. I was also thinking of putting the phone in the drawer and how many people would have heart palpitations for being away from their phone for two hours because we're so addicted to it and how much anxiety that probably produces before you really get used to it. I also really love what you said about feeling like you were so overwhelmed that you couldn't give your best to anything. And I feel like so many of us were trying to take on so much and so much and so much that our output is mediocre because we can't be great at everything. We're spread so thin and trying to be everything to everyone. And so having that realization is maybe the tipping point for some people. Yeah, I think the 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 first thing in any of these habits is you're going to think you can't do it. Like you're going to think it's impossible. Like it's impossible to put your phone away for two hours because of that heart palpitations. And like, what if someone needs you? And when you get to the point where you're committed enough, I mean, I got a home phone. Like my mom was like, what happens if something happens to your dad during two and four? Like, how is someone going to get you? And instead of saying like, oh yeah, okay, I'll change. It's more like there is a, there is a, there is a solution. We can figure it out. Like, I don't know what it is. What could it be? 
let's go back to the 90s and put a phone in our home. You know, like if you are committed enough to it, you can find a way. But it's way too easy to just be to back off and say, oh, you're right. That's not possible. I can't do that. Just send a letter if something happens to dad. Right. (laughs) Smoke signals. Carrier pigeons. Yeah, or buy some horses and ride on over and tell me about it. I've got a question. What, what, what we're talking about is, is we got to be punk rock. We've got to push back and rebel against the water we're swimming in and the, the current climate that we're in. For, for y'all, and I, I would love to start with Marlo because you have a little bit of a different perspective being more in corporate America than, than Haro and, and Tiffany. Um, what does it take? What what has to change in somebody to be like that's it that's enough I'm not doing that anymore like from your observations. Yeah, I yeah I, I would feel uh, ill-equipped to speak on on other people's behalf. What when I coach leaders, what I find is there's um a, it's really hard for people to um, pay themselves first. Uh, they to to acknowledge that hey I need this and I'm willing to. Um, put the necessary boundaries around that, um, uh, you know, asking for what they need. Now, it could be, you know, I work in healthcare, and so we ha- I work with a lot of people who whose identity is tied up to giving to others and helping others. And so when it comes to asking for help or helping themselves, it can be very challenging. Um, so that's usually the first place that that we're looking at is what what can we do to, what is it that most matters most to you and how can you create habits or boundaries to, to, to make that happen for yourself. So what I heard you say is really important because we are actually to what Haro had said earlier, we are going to talk about finding authentic and having authentic community outside of work. And yet I also heard you talk about identity, which is something we're going to talk about as well and address is that the need to understand your identity and that what you said is it's not tied up in what you do vocationally alone. That's a piece of it, but it's not all of it. And until you understand that fact that, hey, I've got I've got value outside of just that. Like I've got to find out what is really important to me, you know, or else you're just gonna live your whole life and look back and be like, dude, I just wasted 20, 30 years or more. Right. What does it take for somebody to push back against this? For some of us hard headed people, there needs to be a crisis. Mm. Of some sort. I don't know what the crisis is for each person, but for those of us, I don't want to say achievers. I just want to say hard-headed people, which there's a lot of. Um, you know, uh, there there needs to be a crisis of some sort, and that could be the that could be an acute crisis, or it could be a cumulative and then crisis um, because of a cumulative growth of issues over time. Or it can be a cute thing that happens and you realize the brevity of life and et cetera. I've had both. Um, so the uh, I, I think there's cumulative crises and acute crises that, um, that will get the attention of some. And then Tiffany had some thoughts on that too. Well, I think, like, Haro, that's what, that's what it takes for most people like a crisis that makes them deal with this. And if you're listening to this podcast, probably you didn't have a crisis yesterday. So like, how can you with intention set out to depart the distraction and to live more wholly? And to me, for for my journey, I I can just speak to my journey, but um, release of control is was so important years again of work on Tiffany, give it up, give it up, give it up. Like the only way you cannot do it all is if you don't do it all. So like, you're going to have to give that up. And in giving that up, it's the curiosity and the creativity around how could this be possible? A lot of what I coach on and speak on is this is this amazing thing I want to do, but it's impossible. And I approach it from nothing is impossible. 
It's just how. How could that be possible? How could you live for two hours without your phone? How could you not work, like Caro said, for an entire 24 hours and just enjoy life? How? Not why or, you know, any of that. It's just the how question, which is only possible with creativity, leaving space and belief in creativity. So I heard you say surrender. You said release of control, but in, in our world, which is what where we're going to go next in this season is, is about the importance of getting to surrender. And, and I, you know, part of what I think is beautiful about the idea of releasing control and surrendering is the fact that you, if you're, if you're in fear, you tend to control and hold on to things and make it happen. But if you can get to surrender and say, okay, I know I can't do it all. I know I need help. I know there, you know, I've got to be interdependent, so to speak. That's when you go, fear kills that creativity, right? Forget creativity. Mm, You can't think straight when you're in fear, you're in fight or flight or freeze and that's it. But if you can get out of that and by surrendering that frees up your, your, the front part of your mind to actually get into possibility before that it's impossible. And, uh, you know, and I, I hope if you're listening to this, don't wait for a crisis to happen. Okay. Please don't. Um, and, you know, make, be aware enough to understand that maybe I am taking things too far. And I, I don't want to cut anybody off from sharing more about that, but I'm just curious, you've shared some signs about, um, you know, knowing you're in, in that state where you're, you know, Hey, I'm beyond myself. Right. But overwhelm might be one of them. Shame. I heard shame. Right. When we go to like slow down and actually rest, there's some shame there. Is there anything else you guys would would give the leaders that are listening? If you are experiencing this, then you might. Right. Is there anything you would add to that besides shame and and overwhelm? Yeah. Marlo. Yeah, I and it it's back to the the issue of crisis. I I don't know if it's uh maybe just some dissatisfaction, right, with the status quo. And that might be driven internally by oneself. It could be by others that care for you and love you and they point out something that you didn't see yourself. Um but in my journey that that was certainly at play. Like I had just a sense that something was there was more there was there had to be more. And um, and it was that dissatisfaction that caused me to reimagine or rethink how I was living my life and what I was paying attention to, and the work I wanted to do and things like that. So, um, yeah, that would be the other maybe telltale for people is is you know if you have parts of your life where you're feeling that dissatisfaction, taking the time to to look deeper into what that's all about, and um, and what what the source of that might be for you. Yeah. What do we do? What are some of the other signs that somebody should would say, hey, if this is you, if you're experiencing or seeing this in your life, then you might be, you know, you know, addicted to hurry and busyness and not paying attention. Like what are some of the other signs that someone might pay attention to? Well, I mean, I, I wanted to mention it a couple of minutes ago, but, you know, Simon Sinek, I can't remember where it was. One of his talks one time I was listening to, and he said, you know, if you, if you, if you carry something around your house with you, you might be addicted. Like and, your children? <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, if there's dependency, but like your my phone goes everywhere with me in my house. Um, so that might be a sign that you have an that you have an issue. Uh for me, like for years, I would just I would work and then even when I was off work, and I would work a lot of hours, and even when I was off work, I was still thinking about work. Um, now I didn't see that as abnormal in my world. That was what you did because you needed to make a way and provide for the family. So it wasn't so much that I saw it as an issue. I think my, honestly, I don't think any of us have talked about our spouses yet, but my wife was a gift, uh, in some of this and her canary in the mind, so to speak of like, Hey, I think something's off here. Um, and how you're showing up. And I was like, I, I still wasn't listening. I was still pretty hard headed. Um, but then something happened to me that I never had experienced before because that was for those people, you know, panic attacks, uh, depression, anxiety through the roof. And I, 
that was just something that I had never dealt with. And I came to the, I came to that and I realized, okay, something's going on. I'm, and I don't even know that I had words for it at that time. I have words for it now, but my addiction to addiction or attachment, whatever to the, to the, um, to success, to this pursuit of this never catchable thing called enough. Um, cause your mind always moves the goalposts. Um, and you know, the fishbowl I swim in, in the world of real estate, there's, you know, you go to any conference, it's always about more, 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 more. And then you're on Instagram or on Facebook and you see like, oh, this person went on this vacation and this person hired this person and this person did this thing and they sold this many. And it's like, I can do it. I can do it. That's what I got to do to be in the in club. And so it's just this hamster. Um, and, and I don't, something has to happen outside of you for you to realize that you're on the hamster wheel. Cause when you're a hamster on a wheel, I don't think you realize you're a hamster on you're just doing your thing. Yeah. I think it is that dissatisfaction there that Marlo was talking about. Something's not right for you, Harlow. Haro. Jeez, there I did. I did it. Um, did it once. Uh, Haro. Uh, it was your, it was your wife saying, mm, something's not right here. And then I'm sure it was a while, um, you know, for, before you realize that. Right. So. But I was like, when, even when she said that, I was like, well, there's just something wrong with her and I need to help her fix that because this is the way it's supposed to, <laughs> this is the way it's supposed to be. And like, Ooh. I'm being, you know, I'm being a good husband and a good provider for my family because that's what I'm supposed to do. Blah, blah, blah. When I wonder if that isn't one of our signs when, uh, the problem is always outside of ourselves, you know, like, I, I don't know, because I, I love the dissatisfaction that Marlo said. I mean, I don't love it because I've experienced it. It's not fun. But I love that as a sign, because have you attained what you set out for and yet you are dissatisfied, which makes you move the goalposts, like Haro said. So like, if you don't sleep at night and you're dissatisfied and when you take stock, you realize you're on a hamster wheel and you didn't sign up for this. I mean, that was a big, that was a big part of my realization was I just put my head down and achieved because that's what I do. And then I picked my head up five years later and I'm like, this is not what I wanted to be. Like I am where other people would have wanted to be, but this was not the life I wanted. What happened? You know, like I became aware I was on a hamster wheel. Um, so yeah, I don't know that there's ever one thing, but, you know, a set of questions that you ask yourself, like, am I achieving something and remaining dissatisfied? Because I do think also in this conversation, there are moments when you need to show up in a big way, um, but it's not every moment of your life. For those of us, those of uh, out there that are just kind of realizing, oh my gosh, like this is me. I knew something was wrong, but I couldn't put my finger on it. I couldn't name it. Naming is one of the first steps to like really understanding and being aware. And once you can name it, it kind of takes a lot of the power away. But now they're starting to name it. Do you all feel you have a better handle on this? And if so, I'm not going to say we're all better, right? I don't think we ever arrive and we've got it all handled, but do you feel you have a better handle on it? And what advice would you give to those folks that are just starting to become aware of it? Yeah, I'll, uh, I'll, I'll lead out on this one. So um, I think, you know, Haro's comments about you just got to get after it and be busy, I think is a really good comment because I, I would hate the listeners to think that we're not talking about living a productive life. Like I really do believe in hard work. Um, I, I think, uh, an idle mind is a very, very dangerous thing it is in my life. I'll speak from the eye on that, but, but, it, but it's also like, how do you live a productive and fulfilled life? And that is been my quest to try to understand what that means for myself and what I can do to help others see that. And, um, and so the things that have come into focus for me have been really managing my energy. Um, understanding when I'm at my best, what type of work fills my cup, um, how do I take, and, and I'm a big uh, 
somatic person. So body is important to me. I find that physical exercise or activity is the gateway to happiness for me personally. And so I invest in my own uh, health and wellness first thing in the day. That's what I do. And I, and I am very uh, committed to that. Um, I, I put it on my calendar. I make sure that I don't, nothing gets in the way of that. Cause I know I'll just be in a better place if I, if I do take care of myself first thing in the morning. Um, another big thing has been really trying to uh, articulate my why, uh, why do, why do I do the work I do? Why? And, and really, um, find work that, that I think lends itself to my gifts and talents and what my passions are. And then uh, last is to be able to ask for help. Um, you know, I, I I don't think any of us can do this on our own. And so, you know, I've had people in my life that have just been really invaluable to helping me uh, live a, a more productive, more fulfilled life. If I had any advice, it would be just, you know, to, you know, take the time to reflect on what matters to oneself and how you can create the conditions in your life to see more of that. Uh, both at work and at home. Yeah, I appreciate your vulnerability on that about, you know, what I heard you say is that, hey, manage your energy, know when you're at your best, utilize your your strengths, gifts, skills, talents, uh, seek to articulate your why, which we do talk about purpose and identity. Uh, we will a little bit later in this season. Uh, physical exercise activity is really important for you. Asking for help. You know, a lot of times we don't want to appear either incompetent or that like we can't do our job, but it's like, look, you know, you need to ask for help and, um, you know, taking the time to reflect, you know, which is coming up as well to, you know, contemplation and reflection is really important. So, well, I wanted to underscore what Marlo said and the fact that you had to figure out what works best for you, that there's no one size fits all that is going to um, help you understand how to care for yourself, how to um, prevent yourself from burnout. It's so personal and you really have to get curious and then you have to stop long enough to actually reflect on what those things are that work for you. So yeah, Marlo, thanks for sharing all that. So Tiffany, what works for you? I think for the people who are just at the beginning of the journey, like I think back to my, the beginning, like the realization, like oh my gosh, this is not, something's got to change. How long ago was and, that for you? Sorry, Tiffany. Um, No, it was 18. So that's like five years ago. Um, And the steps of that is a, a whole other thing. But we, we basically put a timeline on our business. We went on sabbatical. We actually, before COVID, we left and worked virtually, like had to figure out how to run a virtual business, which was a whole other thing because then COVID happened and then we knew how to run a business and taught others how to do it virtually. It was really fascinating. But in getting a, basically you need to get a little bit of space and you don't have to go on a sabbatical to get space, but you need to create space to do some of the things that Marlo was talking about. And for me, I had, I went through what's called the artist's way, which I had done, or I had never done before because I am, I don't draw, I don't paint. I'm not an artist. All my artist friends, they did the artist's way. But for some reason, it was just in the back of my mind. And it's really about like mindfulness and creativity and being present and aware. And like, I cannot recommend that more. I don't know. It may not be the perfect answer for everyone, but I don't think you can go through the artist's way without coming out the other side with some realization about yourself. Um, I mean, even just the simple, you have to write five pages every morning, like morning pages. If if y'all do nothing but get up every morning and force yourself to write for five pages and, you know, you start with like, this is dumb. It's cold in this room. Like you're just trying to fill up five pages. It forces you to be present. It forces like all these great things that help you start working through things and awakens your creativity, which... um you know, I, I think is a big part of the way to break out of this without a crisis, because if you believe there's no way, you're right. And so the belief that there could be another way is so important. And yeah, we need to show up and we need to we need to work hard certain times. And I think what I've done now five five years through 
I ask my people like, well, do you have a cycle of rest? Like when you do this hard push and you're going to be working for, you know, 10, 12 hours a day, what's on the other side? Where are you going with your family? What are, how many days are you taking off? Like, what does that look like? Because to me, I've not arrived, but I am so much more aware of when I clench into the control again, that it reminds me to open my hands back up and to, and to, to see what happens. So like I got the work thing under control in five years. I mean, that was a long journey, but I mean, I've, I have gotten the work thing under control most of the time. And then my kid's school blows up and something happens over there. And I do, I respond like Tiffany, I'm going to figure it out. I'll power through it. Like, and I didn't recognize it's the same response, just in a different one of my worlds. Like I thought, oh, I've done it. And then I realized, nope, you're still you. It's just a different part of your world exploded and you acted like you instead of releasing control and remaining curious and seeing what it would all look like. So I don't think you ever arrive, but I think you pick yourself back up faster every time you do it. So like it took me five years to figure work out. My kid's school situation exploded. That only took me nine months of pain. That's a huge improvement. Like that's a huge improvement. So I don't think I've arrived. And for all of you on the journey, like you're going to fall. You're going to go right back to what you, your pattern. It's what the world is telling you to do. So don't beat yourself up and don't wait for a crisis. So here's what I heard you say, create and get space. And the artist way is a book. It's a book workbook thing. Yeah, okay. it's a book. Get it on the Amazon. Artist's way. Right. Yeah, I can't think. Marlo, you're shaking your head. Do you know who wrote it? Uh, last name I think is Cameron. Julie Cameron. Yes, yes. And uh, I also subscribe to that book and especially the morning pages. I call it taking out the trash. Just getting all that st- thoughts in your head just out on paper. It's, it's a meditative practice. So if people are looking for something new or different to try as a meditative practice, uh, it's it's a really good love one. Love that. So participate or engage that as a possible way, which I love. Uh, believe and understand that there could be another way. Right? Recognize that because I agree. You you believe it, you can or you can't. You're right. Uh, and there should be a cycle of rest. If you don't have a cycle of rest, a quote that has come up over and over again is, is something to the effect of like, if you're not able to rest, then you're a slave to something. So what, what are you captive to, if that's the case? And then it's a journey. Have patience with yourself. Give yourself grace. Five years it took Tiffany to really get that underway. And like you, that's like nine months is like 20% of the time it took you before. So well done. Huge kudos there, right? Why don't I? Why don't we share any last words from you guys? And then Adrian, I'd love to hear from you what you've picked up from from today. I don't know. I'm still processing this, and I don't know where I land on it. But I think there is something to be said for a certain part of life requiring you to achieve at a certain level. There is a time when you're younger, or maybe unmarried and un unparented, without kids. I think there's some health to. I don't. I don't want to call it hustle culture, but bust your butt a little bit. But I think there should still be guardrails during that time. There should still be some, uh, if you will, governors so you don't overheat the engine. For me, I'd had nobody in my life to help me with that. So I think that it's important to at least either have that or somehow cultivate it in the form of mentors or people that you look up to. Because I think there is an appropriateness. I'm able to rest in a certain way now because of things I've achieved in the past. And I don't know, I don't know, I'm still fleshing some of that out. I think it's wise to live in community and value the voices of others in speaking into your life on these topics. Like some people kind of like Tiffany alluded to something like she said, you got to show up for something. And I'd say sometimes you just got to bust your butt and go to work. Like if you're in debt, a bunch of money, you just got to go to work and you're going to have to be out of balance for a little while and just go to work. But there's a time to rest and there's a time to work. And we need to acknowledge that societally. I think our society has gotten very much into like, we're just going to work all the time. Well, I think it's cliche, but you know, we only have this life. So why not take the 
take the opportunity to make the best of it. And that includes uh, not just what's going on externally, but what's happening inside of us and taking the time to really uh, honor that, um, creating space to do that. Because, you know, our, 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 our minds, be, you know, the, the, our thoughts become our actions and our actions achieve results. And so uh, to, the, to the degree we can get in touch with what our, 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 our thoughts are, what our beliefs are, um, uh, you know, why we do what we do, I think uh, it serves us well in the long run. And I think knowing yourself is, to that point, like a a really valuable investment. Um, Knowing, I think, Marlo, you already talked about this, but, you know, like, what do you really enjoy? What do you, like, what are the patterns in your life? Like, I I realized when I looked back, what's the thing I've always done? I have always created experiences for people. Even in planning my own wedding, I looked back and I didn't have this Tiffany wants this kind of wedding. It was like, I'm sick of going to wedding receptions that are no fun. Like I want to have the most, I want my guests to have the most fun at our reception. And so we had our reception at Dave and Buster's. Um, And so, you know, like that thing of what have I always done? And until you look back, you won't find the patterns, but like, look back. What are those things that make you unique that you were created just in, like, you don't even realize that it's different. Um, What are those things about you? Because that's what you want to do more of. You want to set yourself up to do more of those things and go all in on those things because that's what you show up to hustle for. You don't show up to hustle for something else or a, the next promotion or this next bit of money in your net worth. Like you show up to hustle for who you are, who you were created to be, and why you were put on this earth and do more of that and go all in on that. And the rest of it, be curious about how. Who's going to come in your life to do the rest of it? Well, I'd like to thank all three of you. Yeah, I'd like to thank all three of you for showing up and sharing your experiences and your wisdom. I think it just highlights the fact of how prevalent this is, how just such a huge part of our culture, um, burnout and digital dependency is, and how important community is really to share our stories and to know that people aren't alone if they're going through this or um, you know, they they need some people to come around them and help them through. And also a good reminder that self-awareness and growth is a lifelong journey. And it doesn't matter how many cycles we've been through, as long as you can remain curious and, um, you know, course correct when needed, and you have that insight into yourself and how do you continue to grow, it is uh, evolving always as we evolve, but it's it's always ongoing. And so if you remain curious and and in community, you kind of bounce back a little bit quicker each time you get there. Because when you know better, you do better. And so once once you know, you can do a little bit better next time. So thank you all for sharing your experiences. It really was a pleasure to hear from you. Agreed. I'm honored that you guys would uh, take the time out of your busy schedules to be here. And you know, I'm I'm just reiterating, this is not a quick process. You You really do never arrive. You just hopefully make progress here and there, um, sometimes forward, sometimes backwards, but ultimately it's, it's not a quick process. And here's the cool thing. Everything that you guys have said, as far as like, what do you do about this? You know, what are the, what are some of the ways you can be and some of the things you can do? We're going to cover that in the next eight, nine episodes, right? So we're going to be talking about letting go of control and surrendering. We're going to be talking about solitude and silence, contemplation, reflection, rest, authentic community, knowing your identity and your core values and and your self-awareness, and then ultimately culminating in this tool called a rule of life, right? So we're going to talk about how you can utilize that and make it simple about how how can you show up in the world? How can you be in the world? Not just do, but how can you be, right? Because the end of the world, we don't, at the end of the day, we don't need more doing, we need more being, right? So, um, so yeah, I appreciate you all um, taking time out of your schedule. And, and if, you know, for those that are listening, I, I challenge you to pick one thing that one of our guests said today, artist's way or reflection, giving yourself space or finding authentic community, like Haro had said, and, and take 
simple action on it. Don't need massive. Something you can do, even if it's just reaching out to a friend or just order the artist's way, right? Just something simple. Go take action in the next 10 minutes and I promise you it will have an impact on you. So thank you all for being here. Thanks so much for showing up and uh, yeah, until next time. Join us next week as we begin the insightful journey to address the pressing issues of hurry, busyness, and disintegration. Our focus will be on the transformative concepts of surrender and control, and this topic is a crucial first step in uncovering the peace and wholeness we've been discussing. Without this foundation, our efforts to find balance and harmony can easily unravel. Tune in to discover how embracing surrender and understanding control can be the key to navigating the challenges we face. Thank you so much for tuning in to The Overflowing Life. If our message struck a chord with you, please subscribe and connect with us. Share your thoughts, questions, and stories with us on Instagram at The Overflowing Life or visit TheOverflowingLife.com. And if you're looking for coaching that helps you create an overflowing life, please reach out to us. We'd love to partner with you.